Welcome to Abiding Podcast. Um, welcome to another episode of Monday Musings. And for the next couple of weeks or so, I'm going to have a little bit of a theme, a little bit of a running part of my journey as such. Because um, I wanted to share with you around a couple of topics of I found really kind of influential and really important. Um, the first one this week is all about the word, about the Bible and the importance of it. And then we're going to start talking about uh, the presence of God and Holy Spirit and worship over the next few weeks or so. Um, but I wanted to start with the word because for me, that's kind of where, partially where my exploration of Christianity started. Well, that's the first time I started looking at Christianity as a faith. I had experiences of God and uh, like encounters with Holy Spirit, which I'll touch on next week as part of this. But I was, I kind of started with the Bible after I had a couple of experiences with the Holy Spirit, or what I now know to be Holy Spirit. I started to read the Bible. I got given the Bible by a youth pastor. Um, and I started reading it to the point where I was reading it in school during English lessons. And what I was doing was, because I wasn't convinced of Christianity, I wasn't convinced that Jesus was God, that God, like, that I wasn't, yeah, I hadn't made my decision to commit to giving my life to Jesus. I was reading it, but I was reading it under my desk. And so, like, one English lesson, I'm reading the Bible under my desk, and my English teacher's like, Joel, are you on your phone? And I'm like, no, I'm reading the Bible. And so I then, like, pull the Bible out from underneath my desk and put it back under to show, hey, I'm not on my phone, I'm just reading the Bible. And so for quite a while, I put a lot of weight, after I finally made the decision, put a lot of weight into the Bible. I was reading it. I was learning more and more about Jesus. I did one very silly thing. I decided to start reading in Genesis because not having been taught anything about the Bible my entire life, I thought it worked like any book. You start at the beginning and you read to the end. It's not quite how the Bible works. Um, So I took some time. I started reading Genesis. I got a few chapters in got a little bit weirded out when I got to like Lot and his daughters um, and bits and pieces like that. And then the the people that were in charge of the youth work at the church I was going to um, recommended I started to read the Gospel of John and started reading it. And I read the story of Jesus in the space of one week, which at that time was the fastest I'd read anything. And so I started to fall more and more in love with reading it and finding more and more out about what the Bible had to say about life. And I was always the guy or the little kid at this point, the teenager, always with the difficult questions coming in. What does the Bible say about this? What does the Bible say about that? As Christians, what is our response to blank? And I loved that. And in a later video, or actually I've already explained this in in a podcast, I think it's like episode three or four about knowing Jesus of Monday Musings. I talk about how I really wish someone had taught me about the knowing of Jesus and the relationship side of Jesus first. 
that it wasn't about knowing the right answers, but I had this pursuit in me to want to know and know and know what the Bible had to say on things, what Christianity had to say about things. And while I was, I think this was while I was doing my degree or just before my degree, I read a little book called, I think it's called Unbreakable by Andrew Wilson. And the subtitle of the book is what the word of God, what the son of God says about the word of God. And there was one section in that that I fell in love with that I've, I've used in sermons before. I, I always come back to this to talk about what Jesus's response, what Jesus, the way that Jesus uses the Bible, uses scripture, how it, how it teaches us something about scripture. So I'm just going to take a minute to read to you from Matthew 4. And the heading here is the temptation of Jesus. I'm just going to read to you from verse 1 down to about verse 11. Um, Okay, so. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And again the devil took him to a very high mountain, and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these I will give to you, if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Be be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. And what Andrew Wilson unpacks in in the book Unbreakable, which is something I've fallen in love with for helping me understand something about scripture is you look at the responses of Jesus here and it shows something about the word because before each response you notice the phrase of it is written so you notice it in verse 4 in verse 7 and in verse 10 when Jesus uses it so in verse 4 verses 3 and 4 you see that Satan comes and tempts Jesus and says, hey, you're hungry. You've been fasting. You have been in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights with nothing to eat. And so he comes to him and goes, hey, turn these stones. If you are the son of God, turn these stones into loaves of bread. And what Jesus then says is it is written and he quotes. It's um, Deuteronomy 8 verse 3. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And Andrew Wilson points out, this shows how sufficient the Bible is. The Bible is sufficient. It is enough. It is enough to nurture our soul. It's enough to give 
Yeah, it is the bread of life to who we are. We don't live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. And at the time when I was learning about this, I didn't really think about the connotation of every word that comes from the mouth of God. Because in the early parts of my journey of faith, I definitely had a very much like the Bible is God's word, prophecy is prophecy, but it's it's not quite God's word. But you've got the Logos word and you have the Rhema word of God and you've got these these two kinds of words that are both valid and both important. You've got the Logos word, the living word, the words of Jesus and his life and what he did. And and then you have the Rhema word of God through the Holy Spirit speaking to people through people or speaking to people through the Bible, through the Holy Spirit. And so at the time, I didn't realize that there was more to this word here of the sufficiency of God's words than just talking about the Bible, talking about the words of Jesus, talking about the words that were written in this text, but also the words that would be given at church in small groups, that actually they are nurturing, they are great for the soul. The next one I find especially interesting in this section, there are three things that we learn about the Bible here. So the first one is that it's sufficient, that it is enough, but also that it is about the words of God being enough for us. Um, The next one's really interesting because, yes, in verse 7, Jesus goes, and again, it is written. But before then, in verse 6, you have Satan himself saying, for it is written, and he starts to quote Psalm 91, verses 11 and 12. He says, For it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus then pulls out again Deuteronomy 6, verse 16, You shall not put your Lord, your God, to the test. And In that, Andrew Wilson points out the coherency of Scripture, that there isn't a contradiction here, but actually that they cohere together, that they balance each other out. There is a tension. Yes, God will command his angels concerning us. Yes, we won't strike our feet against a stone. But if I jump off a building... That is my bad, and I've put him to the test. And it says in his word, do not put me to the test. Do not put God to the test. And another thing that I've kind of grown to know about this passage through reading that and also kind of realizing what Satan was doing is getting to understand that we need to know the Bible so, so well. Because here you've got, satan quoting scripture to jesus and if jesus didn't know his word well or if we don't know our word well we can be tricked into believing things that are inaccurate that are false just because it has been twisted to mean something that it doesn't and one of my favorite preachers to listen to francis chan i love what he does at the beginning of some of his sermons he stands there picks up his bible and says you need to know this better than I know it because I went to seminary for three years and I know how to make this book say whatever I want. 
So you need to know this well enough so that you can test what I am saying. And and that is exactly what we see here with both we see that scripture is coherent. There isn't a contradiction in what Satan has quoted and what Jesus has quoted, but actually if you take them together, it enhances the meaning and we understand more of what is meant. But also it shows that there's an importance to understanding the word because here we see the enemy even using scripture to tempt us away from the truth, tempt us away from walking in line with what God's word says by taking things out of context, by cherry picking a verse. So again, it's that thing of needing to understand it so that we can see the tensions. One that I always like to pick on for this is, um, oh, where is it? It is, uh, works without faith is dead, but it is by faith alone that we are saved. So these two could be seen, sometimes we pull this distinction and have, I don't think it's so much an issue anymore now, but there used to be a very much a by faith alone and by works alone. So the Protestant Church, with the birth of the birth of Protestantism through Martin Luther and Calvin and a few other reformers, we have this um, the five solas, which one of them is by faith alone. And in that, there has been there was a kind of like a swing of the pendulum away from this works based salvation of this works based working out of our salvation of Catholicism where it was about doing the right deeds and saying the right things, and this, there was this big swing. But what should have happened and what has happened and is happening is the pendulum needs to settle in the middle because there is nothing we can do to earn our faith. That is the, we are saved by faith alone. But a faith that doesn't look like something is dead. That is what... I think it's in James, that is what James is getting at. And James also points out something really good, which is um, in James, I want to say it's in James 2, he says, oh, you believe that God is one. You believe that there, is, there are three persons, but there are all one God. There is Jesus, Holy Spirit, and God the Father. But, but yeah, you believe they're one, awesome. But even the demons believe and shudder. There is... There has got to be more to our faith than just mere belief. There's got to be an action that comes out of that. There's got to be something that moves us in our faith. Um, and moving on swiftly to the final point, because this episode is getting a little bit longer than normal, is the final it is written. So, so Satan takes Jesus to the top of a mountain and says, look at everything here. I will give all of this to you if you bow down and worship me. And Jesus says to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and only, only him only shall you serve. Again, he's quoting Deuteron- no, he's, is that Deuteronomy. Yeah, Deuter- Deuteronomy 6.13. And what we see here is kind of the... As, I, as Andrew Wilson points out, the authority of Scripture, the authority of the Word of God. Of Here, Jesus is quoting Deuteronomy, and Deuteronomy is telling him who he shall worship and who he shall serve. 
And it's like, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. The Bible, the word of God, has the authority to tell us what we can and can't do. Again, so to kind of rattle off the three key points that we learn about the word here is that it is sufficient. Both the written word, the rhema word, and the living word of Jesus alive and walking the earth. It is coherent. There is there isn't a contradiction. We've got to look for the connection, the tension, the the clarity that can be hidden deeper in understanding it. And free, it has authority. What I love about that last one, and it's something that I'm learning all the more, is there is the opportunity to stand on the promises of God. Because if this word has authority, let's take a very generic promise. Um, Jeremiah 29.11 For he has plans to prosper you and not to harm you. There is a promise in that that if we believe that the Bible has authority, we can stand on and we can pray that word and remind God that he in his word promised us that we will have a life that is prosperous and not harmful. And there are multiple promises throughout the word that we can hold on to. But that's just a couple of that's a very brief kind of introduction to my understanding of the word and where I started coming from and next week I want to talk a little bit about about my experience of getting to know Holy Spirit better and how that has impacted my walk over the last few years because yeah I'll explain it all next week but I hope this has encouraged you hope that it encourages you to engage more with your bible to read more and yeah see you again next week